Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group, an Edison energy company. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined by my colleague, Energy Risk Manager Dan Vesey, to discuss what's been happening in the UK commodity markets and the international markets that affect them. Dan, we often talk about power and gas, and we're going to go on to talk about them later, but oil's been very much in the news, hasn't it? Uh, what's the reasons for that? Well, what we've seen in the oil markets, if we've seen over the last few weeks, oil's been very much driven by um, the economic fallout following the uh, collapse of the SVB bank in the US. Um, so what we saw was oil actually fell to a low that we hadn't seen since the back end of 2021 as a result of the fallout and the banking crisis uh, that eventually rolled over into Europe with Credit Suisse also looking like it was potentially going to fail. Uh, so we did see a real sell-off in oil. But what we've actually seen in recent days is OPEC have stepped in and they've surprised the market by basically saying that they're going to cut just over a million barrels per day of oil out of the market. So this would actually take OPEC combined with OPEC Plus. And when I say OPEC Plus, that includes some of the other big oil producing countries like Russia. So it would take combined cuts to around about 3.66 billion barrels per day, which is quite a significant reduction in production. So, yeah, we saw oil markets in the last couple of days actually increase by around about $5 a barrel as a result of that. Oil is very much in the news at the moment, Jeremy, and um, I think long term trend is for it to continue to increase because of the tightness in supply within the market. Uh, but what I will note is the fact that OPEC have reacted uh, probably suggests that they are very much concerned about the economy and whether there's a recession looming and whether that's going to have a significant impact on oil demand as we go through 2023. So yeah, very interesting. Interesting indeed. And and perhaps, you know, from, from an economic perspective, slightly worrying, you know, we tend to think after recent months of experience, you know, the energy markets are uh, uh, telling us a message everything's scarce and that the uh, you know there's not enough supply to meet demand and then that starts to change and what looks like a highly profitable business to be in at the moment looks rather less so if demand's on its way down and those macroeconomic effects you, you're talking about and what, what might be happening in the Asian market they, they affect gas as well don't they and, and sort of turning now to gas and what's affecting the UK market uh, and the factors driving that uh, what's really been behind the recent volatility, would you say? So in terms of UK gas and, and power prices, yes, we have seen a lot of volatility return in, in recent days. Uh, there's been around about a 25% increase on, on some contracts. And the main reasons for this are we have seen French strikes impact power generation over there. We've seen it impact LNG arrivals. And the longer this goes on, the more impact it's going to have on the surrounding European countries, including the UK. Because as we know, France is uh, typically a net exporter of power and some of that does go to the UK. So that's been one of the big drivers in, in recent days. We've also seen a bit of cold weather creep back into the mix. So typically 1st of April would be the start of the uh, injection season for gas. Uh, but we may start to see some withdrawal points in the near future as temperatures drop across Central Europe, with lights of Germany seeing temperatures around about five degrees below seasonal normal. So we're not quite out the woods yet when it comes to comes to weather. But long term, the weather forecasts do look like they're going to improve. But a combination of these new weather forecasts, colder weather and the strikes in France has ultimately 
added some risk premium, particularly into the uh, the next winter contract. So don't think we're out the woods yet and volatility isn't going away anytime soon. We can expect to see big swings up and down as we go through the uh, the next six months or so. Well, that's probably a very fair warning. I mean, psychologically, we'd all like to see the end to winter and, you know, the days are getting a little bit longer and things are getting a bit warmer. Uh, we're all eager to see spring on its way, but there could be a few more bumps on the road by the sound of it, even if uh, we have been spoiled by a relatively mild winter, uh, which has been welcome from an energy security point of view, but a bit of a sting in the tail with, with the way it's ending. And I just wondered, typically, whether it's in power generation or in gas production, a lot of maintenance is scheduled for the late spring and summer months, isn't it, rather than occurring during winter. So what have we got ahead of us there? I'm thinking of you know Norwegian gas production or indeed the French nuclear fleet you've mentioned and, and elsewhere. Yeah, so, yeah, as you say, Jeremy, typically there's a pretty hefty maintenance schedule across the spring and summer months. Uh, that can be from gas production, as you mentioned, Norway or the UK continental shelf or yet yeah, it could be nuclear reactors that that go through a, a maintenance schedule when when demand is significantly lower than than during the winter period I think the big risk is going to be from the uh, nuclear fleet in France we know they've had issues for numerous years we know they heavily rely on nuclear power generation ultimately they might be scheduled to go off for X amount of days but if further issues are found, then this could start to delay uh, the return of these reactors, which ultimately has a, a knock-on impact on how much gas they will start to use for power generation. That will impact storage levels. So I think, yeah, maintenance schedules are, are set months in advance, but they can change if things are picked up. So I think the big risk from maintenance is is from the French nuclear fleet. Typically, Norwegian gas production is fairly reliable in terms of their maintenance schedule. Yes, we get the autumn planned out to crop up here and there, but yet the big risk will come from France, I believe. Well, I hope you're right um, that the, about the uh, the reliability of the Norwegian supply, at least, or the predictability of it, because we're, we'll soon be entering to the season where we'd expect gas injections into storage, wouldn't we? And although storage levels um, in Europe, at least, um, look relatively high compared with um, seasonal norms, the, the tail end of the winter and the cold weather has meant uh, that perhaps that hasn't restocked quite as quickly as it looked like it was going to a few weeks ago. But presumably we're about to enter that phase now, aren't we? Uh, is the gas going to be there? Are we still going to be able to attract LNG cargoes quite healthily into this part of the world? Yeah, so at the moment, we're we're around about 56% full in terms of average storage stocks across Europe. And as you say, we're very much going to start the injection season soon. I know it's already started to an extent with small amounts, but later this month, we will see the injection season start. At the moment, Europe is very much the uh, the place to go for, for spot LNG because our prices are still attractive enough to attract that supply. I did read something, we got around about 70% of uh, US LNG in the month of March. So we are attracting significant amounts of LNG. At present, that is expected to continue in the short term because demand in Asia remains very much subdued, mainly because they're, they've got fairly mild weather around at the moment. Their storage stocks are looking very good. The likes of China, they're getting a bit more gas from Russia. They're even increasing their own domestic production. So things are looking a lot comfortable over in Asia at the moment. As with anything, these dynamics can, can change very quickly. If we see any hot weather or, or really hot weather during the summer months, that can start to increase demand. 
that can start to get buyers of LNG a bit worried, particularly going into the into the following winter. So we could quite easily see an increase in demand from Asia at some point during the spring summer season. And then we're going to be in a situation where it's Europe competing with Asia to see who's going to attract that LNG into their markets. Historically, we had Russian pipe gas that covered a significant amount of supply. But now we know that's that's not available and we need to attract that LNG. So I think, yeah, we could be in a situation whereby things start to get very competitive again between um, Europe and Asia. But as things stand at the moment, Europe is very much the uh, the, the most attractive place for, for LNG to, to arrive at. Well, that's obviously something to watch. And although the prices may not always be terribly attractive to get LNG to come here when things are tight elsewhere in the world, if you think that's uncomfortable, try getting by without the gas, is my comment about, about that. Difficult it may be, but the, the important thing is making sure our security supply is maintained. But of course, part of that equation is, is looking at our own demand. I was struck that in a series of announcements by the, the government last week in the UK, in the nearly 3,000 pages worth of reports and documents that were released, not anything like as much emphasis on demand as one would have expected. You know, dem- demand is sensitive to price, isn't it? And there's a lot, awful lot more we could probably be doing, both for an economic and sustainability point of view, on energy efficiency, wouldn't you say? Yes, certainly agree. I think we, we know that renewable generation like wind, solar is, is very much intermittent. And we know the uh, the UK government is particularly looking at nuclear to provide that that baseload power. But certainly more can be done from from an efficiency point of view, particularly from a from a domestic point of view, where where we know that the UK housing stock is one of the least efficient in the European market. So yeah, I totally agree. We we should be focusing on reducing demand as much as increasing supply. And I guess all of that's happened anyway in response to high prices. But uh, if you're trying to bring the supply-demand balance back into balance, there are only a certain number of things you can do in, in the short term. Building nuclear and perhaps one day carbon capture and storage and hydrogen facilities and so on is, is going to take a long time. And just lastly, Dan, uh, is, is there a thing you think we should watch out for in the weeks ahead? You know, I'm thinking after the Easter break, you know, perhaps traders are a little bit more active in a week or two's time. Is there anything on the horizon we should be aware of? No, as I say, things are looking fairly comfortable in terms of uh, supply at the moment in the forms of LNG. But I think the big concerns or the big risk moving forward will be that demand from Asia for LNG will be how hot this summer is going to be and also how dry this summer is going to be. Because I know we've mentioned in the past on these podcasts around hydro, just drought warnings across a fair bit of Europe at the moment. So we're not out of the woods yet in terms of weather. Yes, winter weather has a significant impact on on demand whether it's mild winter or or a cold winter but ultimately hot dry summers are are not very good uh, particularly if it's uh, quite still as well in terms of the weather because that doesn't allow us to to generate electricity from from wind so yeah i think weather is still gonna play its uh, part over the uh, the next six months or so how hot will this summer be like i say lng demand from asia and i think we still have to consider that the Russian-Ukraine conflict could still have an impact. We do still get some pipe gas from Russia that transits through Ukraine into Europe. And as I've mentioned on a podcast before, that Russia are, are very much a big LNG player when it comes to supplying Europe. So albeit it's a small risk, it's still a risk that escalation in that conflict might see further cuts from Russia in terms of gas supply to Europe. Well... 
Thank you, Dan. That's a that's an important point on which to conclude. Yes, there are still some risks there as a result of the Russia-Ukraine situation and, and gas supplies to Europe, although primarily via LNG now. But also, you know, how important weather is here and in other parts of the world. It's wind speeds, it's it's uh, uh, the level of rainfall for hydro recharge and, and, of course, temperatures. They all matter. So thank you for guiding us through all that. Look forward to catching up with you um, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, if you enjoyed that and found it interesting, do have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. And do listen out for a podcast again from us soon.